see faces that I haven't seen in a long time. It's really cool. It's really cool. I didn't see you, Coach. Yeah, I didn't see you. Wow, goodness gracious. I might can't do anything today, bro. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about an issue that I think is one of the, the greatest issues that can change our lives for the better. I really believe that if we grasp what God is trying to tell us today, that we will grow and we will be what God has created us to be, which is to glorify him in everything that we do, in everything that we say, everything that we are. This is an issue that everybody has talked about, everyone knows about, everyone has um, probably read the Bible about, but it's it's something that we tend to not be able to do to the extent that we want to do. I know I have not been able to do that. And I'm pressing towards the mark to try to be able to do that which the subject matter is, to be rooted and grounded in love. And that's, that's a little bit different. So we're going to go to the scripture on that and find out, God, how is it that we can actually walk this word out? Because if we walk this word out, it's going to change Christianity. It'll change Lynchburg, Virginia. It'll change your workplace. It'll change your homes. If we can walk this out to the degree that God wants us to. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3. Let's go there and see what God's word says about this particular topic. And I like to teach, and so that's what I do. I teach. And I like to teach the scriptures, and so we're going to exegesis this verse, these verses from chapter 3, verse 14 through verse 21. We're going to really break it down. We're going to unpack it. We're going to see what God is saying in it so that we can maybe grasp what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to do today. Be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, we just stop here. We have to give a little background because Ephesians is written by Paul and it's a little backdrop in that, in that he's trying to let them know that his position of prayer is a position of humility. It's a position where uh, it's not a required position, but it's a position that uh, I think you probably remember Solomon when he bowed his knee before the Father. And so uh, this position here is one where he is on his knees. He's bowing before God. He might have outstretched hands like Solomon did. We know we can pray in the car. We can pray in the showers. We can pray as we walk. We can pray anytime we want to pray. We don't have to have, it's not a position. We don't have to have our eyes closed to pray. We don't have to talk out loud to pray. We know all those type of things because we've talked that before. But this position is a position about his needs. Regardless of how you pray, God is asking us to come before him in humility. 
It's a hard position. So whether uh, I know I, I pray, <laughs> I pray sometimes. I say, Lord, just help me. You know, it's just simple prayer. Help me, Lord. But that, that, that prayer is a prayer where I'm bowing my heart before God because my heart is what God is after. My heart is what the enemy is after also. He wants my heart to be uh, in such a disarray, uh, in disarray that it's going to uh, not glorify God. Let's go a little further. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. So we know it's talking about the Father, that there is nothing in heaven, whether it be angels, there's nothing on earth that hasn't derived his name from God the Father. He is the creator of all things. See, it speaks. It speaks here. When you name somebody, that means you in a position higher than they are. Our children didn't name themselves. We named our children because we are the parents. We have authority to do that. It speaks of authority also that from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name. Verse 16, that he would grant you, so it's a prayer, it's a prayer of Paul. He's praying here. What is Paul praying? Because here's the Apostle Paul who penned most of the New Testament. He's saying here, I'm asking God something here. I want to know what he's asking God on behalf of the church at Ephesus because that's what I want for my family. That's what I want for the family here at Cornerstone. That's what I want when I pray for the families in Lynchburg, families in the world. I want to pray something that I know God the Father is going to answer. And he will answer his word, won't he? He answers his word. He will grant you according to the riches of his glory. Oh. According to the riches of his glory. Now, if we have changed those words and say, out of the riches of his glory, it'll be a little bit different. It doesn't say out of. It says according to the riches of his glory. Now, if we were uh, say wealthy, we had over $200 million, uh, maybe we were worth $2.3 billion, and if someone out of their bounty gave you $100, it'll be out of their bounty. You'll be thankful, I believe. I would be thankful, wouldn't you? But if they gave according to the riches that they have, oh, now, what could they give you according to it? He might give you, you know, maybe $250 million. If he's worth $2.3 billion, he might be doing that, right? It's according to. You see the difference between according to and out of? Out of is just a little bit out of that which he has, probably, whereas according to, 
is, is according to his bounty. What, what does God have? What does he own? Everything. Everything is his. In heaven and in earth. All the gold, all the silver, the cattle on a thousand hills, all this is in the word of God. Everything he owns. Everything. And he says, I'm going to ask God on your behalf, according to the riches of his glory, these things. So I said, okay. I like that. In another uh, uh, resource I have here, it, it was something interesting that was written to, written by John Newton, who, who uh, wrote the, the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And according to that, he says, Thou art coming to a king, meaning we're coming to a king. God, Jesus, is he king? He's king. We're coming to a king. Large petitions to thee I bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Think about it, that you're coming to a king. Do you think that when your children come to you, and you have the abundance, and they're asking for some little thing, and what would you give them? You give them what they need. You're not going to allow your children to be lacking because they ask for a little. Let's think of the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son, he wanted his inheritance. His part of it, and he went away, of course, and uh, squandered it. And he came back after he lost everything, and he came to his senses and said, I mean, I'm going to come back to the Father's house, because why should I be uh, going to eat with the pigs when I can be in my Father's house? I, I, I just asked him, can I be a servant in this house? So he came back, and, of course, the Father saw him, and, and he, he went up to meet him and put the ring on his finger and a robe on him and, you know, the sandals, sandals on him. And then brought him in and he said, we're going to have a party. We're going to kill a fatty, fatty calf for him. We're going to have a fun time. The, 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 the son who was now, who was lost is now found. That's party time. And, and, the, and the son that didn't go nowhere, who was faithful, he said he was mad. He didn't want to come in. And, and <laughs> he said, Father, you've never given me anything. I've been here working all this time. All this time I've been working. I've been laboring here. He went off and he squandered your money. He comes back. You kill a fatty calf of him. You give him a party. You never give me anything. What did the father tell him? Hey, son, all that I have is yours. All that I have. See, he never asked for anything. Never asked for anything. All that I have is yours. That tells me something. It tells you something that all that the Father has is yours. It gives him good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It says in in the word of God. Oh, I say, out of his his bounty, 
he can give you something. But according to his riches, that's a whole different level. Let's see what Paul is asking for. Let's go back to verse 16. To be strengthened, strengthened with power through his spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit in the inner man. He didn't ask for the church to have wealth. He said, I want them strengthened with power. In the inner man. Oh. That's important then. If Paul is asking that. According to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened. That means that we need to be strengthened with power. By the Holy Spirit. In the inner man. The inner man is the heart. Our mind. Our will. Our emotions. We need strength. In order to make it in this society, in this life, to be in the world but not of the world, we have to have strength. And the only strength we can have, we can lift all the weights we want to lift. We can bench press a thousand pounds. It's not going to help us with Satan. He's after your heart. So we need to be strengthened in the inner man with power. With power. We need the inherent ability to be capable of doing what God has asked us to do. We can't do it on our own. Salvation, sanctification, is not by works. It's by grace alone. And we have to have that power to do it. From Genesis all the way up to Jesus' death and resurrection... Men tried to be good. We cannot be good. There's not enough goodness in us. Matter of fact, he said there is none good. No, not one. None of us are good. Now, does that mean that we can't do something that's good? He's not talking about that. He's not talking about that. Every area of our life has been affected by the, by the fall of Adam. Every area. So what little good that we may think, the world may think is good, is not good. In the kingdom. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts. He's asking for Christ to dwell in their hearts. He wants salvation for every person there. You know there are people in the church, universal church, who are not saved. I was one of them. Right? I've told you that before. I was sitting in church. When I came to this church, I was not saved. And I thought I was good. Really, I did. I thought I was good. But I, I was good only compare, I was comparing myself to other people. That's never good, is it? You're going to either puff yourself up or you, or you will get depressed. <laughs> or you'll get lukewarm because you're just like everybody else. Neither one position is good. You have to compare yourself to Jesus Christ, the one 
whom you are part of the body of. He says that I want Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted, oh, and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Not only do I want salvation for your souls, not only do you have to realize that you can't be good enough to get to heaven. No such thing. Not only <laughs> that you are his now, you're going to have to be rooted and you're going to have to be grounded in love. Now, love, that's a marvelous word. It's talking about a God pay love. It's talking about the God kind of love. It's talking about the love that you can't, you can't conjure up. It's the love of God. Another scripture says that the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts, according to Romans 5. That's what it says. It didn't say, my love has been shared abroad. It says, the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts. So it's God's love. You can't love the God kind of love without it being God's love. You can only love with the kind of love that human beings are, are, are used to loving each other is because you have a feeling for that person. And if the feeling leaves, love leaves. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? You, you, obviously you know that. Don't you know that? Otherwise we wouldn't have that many divorces, would we? Somehow they all said the same the same vows to death do us part. Somehow, something left. Right? If love leaves, that's the kind of love, the feeling stuff. God's kind of love has nothing to do with feelings. <laughs> really? When you say nothing to do with feelings, I'm talking about because you please him. You can't please him enough. For him to love you. Really. He's a holy God. He loves you. Because he is God. And God is love. That's what he says. That's what it says. In, that we read. In 1 John. God is love. So to be rooted. And grounded. In love. It's similar to, similar to this uh, plant. I went and purchased this thing. I needed an illustration. And it's an ivy plant. Um, and I said, what did you, did you pay $3 for this weed? I said, <laughs> I said, a weed? Come on. They told me it was a plant. They said, that stuff you could have gotten right out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's growing, spread every which way. But what I wanted is just an illustration. Just an illustration. This plant, if I took this little ivy plant and took it out of the soil that it's in and put it just on this podium and let it stay there, what's going to happen to it? Why would it die? It's out of the it's out of its environment, isn't it? It's out of its environment. 
You can pour all the water on it. You want to. You can pour, let the sun shine on it all you want to. It's still going to die because it's out of this environment. The environment happens to be this soil in here. What will happen if we are not in love? Because this plant is in the soil. If we are not in love, then we can't love. Impossible to love. The God kind of love. If you're not in God, in love. This plant receives nourishment, and you can think of a tree also. It's going to receive nourishment according to its roots. It's going to come through the roots, is it not? You got to put water in there. You got to, uh, so can I um, uh, leave this thing in the sanctuary, you know, in, in, in there and cut the lights off because there's no windows in our sanctuary. It's going to be dark. They said, well, it depends on how long you want it to live. I said, well, I want to live about six weeks. Uh, they said, well, uh, it's not going to last in the dark. It has to have what? Light. Okay? It has to have some light also. It has to have water. It has to have some light. You have to have something to grow in the Lord. We all have to have something to grow in the Lord. This, a tree, you can take a, a large tree, and that tree is only as strong as its what? Root system. Have you ever seen the wind come and it blow a big tree over? And have you ever seen the roots of that thing? Some of the, some of the roots on something, so, 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 they, don't, they don't go a long way. I said, man, this big tree has little roots. That's why it got blown over. Now, if you have some roots that's deep, that's spread all out, I mean, some trees, the roots so out, they, they'll tear up a, a, a sewage system, a water system. Our roots got to be deep in, in love. In love. The nourishment comes from the roots, right? Strength comes from the roots, right? We need to be rooted and grounded in love. That's the title of the message. God in God, because God is love. Let's go a little further. Do, do we understand rooted and grounded now? Because if we don't understand it, there's no way to do it. There's no way, because I'm not, you, you know you have read this before. There's no way, no way that we can just read over it and think we're going to walk it out, because it's deeper than that. I'm trying to teach people, and I was doing that this morning with some, some, some little kids, trying to teach them how not to read over something, how to read, when you read, read slow. And, and, and read meditatively. Read asking questions. Just like the, the, uh, what we were reading uh, this morning ha- happened to be about um, God brought all the animals to, to Adam, and he named them all to, to name. He brought them to him to name, every one of them. Now, most people read that, but they don't think. How is he going to do that? There's no way possible for you to do it. No way possible for me to do it. You bring more than three things, I probably couldn't do it. You know? But you try to think every single animal, the cattle, every gnats, 
right? These little chiggers or whatever these things, little red little things. Everything that, that crawls, everything that creeps, everything that, all the creatures, he gave them names. Zebra, cheetah, cougar, right? Snail, turtle, everything. And we still have it now. We still have those names now. I wonder if he brought it before us, whether we could do it or not. Do we, now, now, what that's supposed to help us to do is see the vastness of God, the awesomeness of God, and what he put in us. But because of sin, we are not able to function the way we were created to function. Because Adam was created. And so he was created to function in the image and in the likeness of God. So he, he had this mind. See, how can, a, how can, a, how can a, a being, which God, a spirit, be everywhere over the entire world? You can't go low enough in the ocean. You can't go high enough. You can't go far enough. Every single word he knows before it comes out of your mouth, every single half he knows how many you have or don't have, every, every single thing he knows. He knows how many gray and how many black. Whenever they asked me this morning, she said, you got something white in, in, on your head. She said, what's, what's that all these the white spots? I said, do I have lint on my hair? She said, it's not coming off. I said, what does it look like? She said, oh, it's gray hair. I said, oh, come on. <laughs> come on. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> he knows every gray hair that you have, doesn't he? I mean, not only you, that's every single place in Lynchburg, every single place in China. How does a God know all that? He's awesome, isn't he? But Adam named all the animals. That's a small thing, isn't it? But see, we can't do it. What I'm trying to explain is that when we read here, we want to read meditatively, and we don't want to just pass over things. That's why I like to teach Scripture, is that I want, to, I want us to understand so we can walk things out. He said, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18 says, may be able to comprehend of all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. I said, whoo. Mm. Comprehend what? That's the question. Comprehend what? What is he asking us? From just casual looking at it, we will probably think that he means love. But I don't think he means love. Because the next verse, next, part, next verse says, and to know the love of Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? Why would he say, why would he say, I want you to be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ, and to know the love of Christ? It doesn't make sense, does it? So, he must not be talking about that. What is he talking about then? And I like to teach that Let's don't guess at it. 
let Scripture interpret Scripture. Okay? So you find out where else. If he's, if he's saying that, he must be telling us somewhere what it is. Let's look at this uh, word here. What it says, breath. Where else is he talking about the, the idea of the breath of something? The breath of something. How, what, what's the breath of it? Let's look in, in, in the same book in chapter 2, verse 11. Let's look and see what breath could possibly be. So we're talking about 2, Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you, you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, these and strangers to the covenants and promise, having no hope without God, in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups. Now, both groups, who he's talking about? Who's he talking about? Both groups. Both groups of who? Male, female? No, Jews and Gentiles. Both groups into one broke down the barrier of dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So he's talking about the Mosaic law. So that in himself he might make the two, the Gentiles and the Jews, into one new man, thus establishing peace. And might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to all who were far off, the Gentiles, and peace to all those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. How was the breath of his love? It goes that no human being no human being is excluded from the opportunity for salvation because see the the Jews were his people so therefore they were under covenant but through the the breath of his, uh, his wisdom, his knowledge he wanted us to come in, the Gentiles. So he said, well, I know what I'll do then. So he blinded their eyes, so they rejected Jesus. And then, of course, he was sent to us through uh, the apostle, didn't he? Apostle Paul was sent to us. And so now he spreads the word, and when Jesus uh, was was crucified, you remember the wall of petition split. There's no more Jew, no more Gentile. All is one. Oh, the, the, the breath 
the breadth of uh, just the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the awesomeness of God. Who could think of doing something like that and get it done? How about, how about the next word? The length. The length. How long is his love? How long is it? Really, when you think of length or something, you can, you can stretch a measure and take, but how long is his love? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. See, we're, we're trying to find out what he means by what he's already said. We're letting Scripture interpret Scripture. So Ephesians 1, verse 4, tells us a little something, shines a little light on that issue. Let's read it. Just as he chose us in him, what's the length? Before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and blameless before him in love. Oh, what's the length? How far back does it go? Before the foundation of the world, it says, he chose you. He chose you. He chose me. He chose you. He chose you. Before the foundation of the world. That's the length of just the wisdom, the knowledge, the awesomeness of God here. How far does it go? How far does that measure take go? To eternity. How far is eternity? How far is eternity? How long is it? Forever. Forever. There is no end to it. None whatsoever. I said, ooh. That's a long measuring tape, isn't it? That's a long one. So I said, God, this is, this is a long thing here. Boy, you, you, are, you are an awesome God. You are an awesome God. So let's look at another word. How about this next word, the height? How high does it go? Let's look in Ephesians 2.6. That verse, it says, even, verse 5, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made us alive with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised, verse 6, and raised us up with him, and seated us, where did he seat us? Where, how high is that? You can't see it, can you? He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. We are the body of Christ. We are with Christ. How high does it go? Is that, how high is it? Come on. How high is in Christ? Wherever Christ is, we are. How high does Christ go? Does it ever stop? Never stop. Oh, how about that last word there? It says, and death. How deep is it? Let's look at 2, 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, 1, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit 
which is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, meaning everybody, see, we too, we used to do that, all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love, if he has loved us, even when we were yet dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By his grace you have been saved. Oh, how deep does it go? He reached down. Uh, uh, oh, man, he reached down. <laughs> it, it, he, he had to go far to get me because I, I, thought, I, was, I thought I was pretty good. And, and, of course, you don't know me from way back. Uh, Lord Fox knows me from way back. You know, he knows me from Lincoln days, you know, uh, when I used to be mean. He used to know that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And some here, like Mr. Goldfield, and he knows me from when I first got to Lynch, when Minerva and I first got to Lynchburg. I was 22 years old. Minerva was 21. And they took us in, man. They, 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 they uh, looked after us and stuff like that. Uh, come on. Uh, he had to reach deep to get me because you know, I thought I was okay. I thought I didn't need, I was as good as they get. I, I, don't remember, I thought that. I thought that because I was comparing myself to people. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Then I met Coach Tucker, you know, when, when they desegregated the schools and everything. I met him. And we, used to, we used to be in the gym class together, yeah. He told me one time, <laughs> after I got saved, and I started turning around, he said, you know what they used to call you? He used to call you Moses. Yeah. I'm serious. Because I used to wear sandals a lot. I had my, had, I had my bob in my, my book bag or my shoulder bag. Uh, I was weird, you know. I was weird. <laughs> I was weird. And my players, they, they, they knew I was weird, you know. <laughs> and there's a Roy over there, Roy, uh, is one of the former players over there, man. Um, he, I used to tell Roy that, man, we're going to play hard but smart. Yeah. We play hard but smart. We out, we, out, we out do some of the ones who have more talent because they don't play smart. Yeah. Uh, but um, I was still, Roy, not what I, what I was supposed to be. You knew that, though, didn't you? So he, he knew that. He could see through me. <laughs> Even though I thought I was all that. But he had to reach deep to get me. Deep to get me. How deep you had to reach to get you? Yeah. How depth, how, how, how deep is that, that, that knowledge, that wisdom, that awesomeness of God? How is it? Let's go on. It says that, we're back in, in 3, in chapter 3. And we left off at the end of verse 18. Now we're in verse 19. And to know, and to know. Now, not only does he want us to comprehend with all the saints. Now, now I skipped over uh, three words. With all, or four words, all the saints. Do you realize that you're not going to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Christ without each other? Because, see, we're just one person. We're not like Adam. Our mind is not like Adam's before we sin. 
I need you because God will show you a piece of the puzzle that he won't show me. He'll show somebody else a piece of the puzzle that we don't know. And together, corporately, throughout the whole body of Christ, that's why we, we have to rightly discern the body of Christ before you take communion because we all are important. We all need each other in order to comprehend this depth, this height, this breadth. You see? And for people who say, well, I don't need, I don't need the body of Christ. You know, I can, I can, I can, in my house, you know, oh, I, can, I can just serve God here at house. You know, just me and my family. We'll have our little, little gathering here, and, and that's all we need. You don't even know the scriptures. <laughs> no, you can't do that. The scriptures are so, so much against that. Because the scriptures tell us that we are supposed to be jointly fitted together. In chapter 4, Ephesians. Right? Every joint supposed to supply was needed, just like our human body supposed to supply. You need me, I need you, we need each other. We need everybody in the body of Christ so I can, I can see what you don't see. See, that's why we all have to, have to honor one another, because sometimes we think we are all that. We think we know something, especially if we've you know, been, been to school a little bit, you know, have a little degree here there, uh, put a, a, a DR on, on our name or something, or, uh, MDIB on my our names. Uh, I don't, the more I study, the more I read, the more I know how little I know. That was too loud. That ain't me. <laughs> I heard that, Zeta. I heard that, Z. <laughs> it's true. It is true. How little I know. How little I know. Isn't it good that God puts us in a position of humility. Let's go a little further. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. How can something surpass knowledge? See, you didn't even hear it. It says, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. How can you know the love of Christ then if it surpasses knowledge? You can't even know Christ. I can't even know Christ. Like he can be known because it surpasses the knowledge of human beings. That's why we need each other to see little pieces of the puzzle. We'll see, you know, like those puzzles you put together. I might have a piece. We put all our pieces together. We'll see the picture. But God is so vast, so wide. He's so awesome that if all the Christians in all the world put all the pieces together, we still would not know the love of Christ because it surpasses knowledge. How much does he love you? How deep? How deep? It, it, does this plant, how deep, this plant is only, is limited by the container I have it in. God's container is so big, it can't be contained. His love. And we are rooted and grounded in that love. It says that you may be filled 
to all the fullness of God. I think sometimes when I read the Bible that, God, why do you say such things? Why do you tell us things that we can't even do? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. How am I going to know it then? You see? That's the question. Then he says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How can you be full, filled with all the fullness of God when God is everywhere? You see, he just, he just gives us these analogies that you can't do. Impossible. <laughs> Listen to the next verse. Now to him who is able, oh, now we're getting it. Now. Oh, he's trying to answer us. Uh, he says, well, I, I know you had those questions. Let me answer you. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, that means exceedingly above, that means beyond all measure. You cannot measure it. He's able to do far more beyond all that I may ask or think. But then he says, it's according to the power. This, 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 is, this word is like dunamis. It's like dynamite. It's like uh, uh, you can't even do it without power. You, you can't. You, you can't even, it's a beyond, far more beyond anything that you can ask or think, but it's according to the power. It's according to the power. It works in you. And it says within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Everybody say, amen. That's what it says. That, that, that to me, I just, like, I just like to do that. I mean, it's just awesome to me when I, when I think about going through Scripture like that. Because we are talking about being rooted and grounded in love. I told you last week that we were going to teach on the fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Which one of, the, one of them, one of the manifestations of that, and the first one is what? Love. So we'll, we'll, we'll end that series now. But I want to lay this foundation that we can't even do it. Honestly, you can't do it. You can't possibly love. That's why the church falls so short. Universal church falls so short of loving because we can't do it. But we just found out how we can do it. He says, through him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Because I said, God, I want to love people that don't love me. I want to love people who treat me mean. I want to love people who do me wrong. I want to love people who don't want me to succeed. I want to love people who did something to my children that they shouldn't have done. I want to love people. Have you ever said things like that? I hope you haven't said, I don't want to love them, Lord. <laughs> we 
said that too, haven't we? <laughs> we said that also. If we were honest with each other, we would say, man, I don't even want to love him. But not, not in Christianity. We have to love him. But the only way we can do that is through him. And the only way he's going to do it is through the power that works in us. Through the power. And that power is the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to do it. And you say, oh, I have the Holy Spirit because you can't have the Holy Spirit without being saved. Oh, yeah, but you have some part to play in that. You're correct. When you, get, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you will receive the Spirit of God. But believe me, there is sanctification through the Spirit that has to take place that we have to yield to. Without us yielding to it, it's going to be a hard road to tell. Okay? And so he's saying that, that you can do this, but what, what it does is it drives us to our knees again. Remember what he says, how we started? I'll bow my knees before God. It, it, it draws me to my heart being humble. God, I can't do this. God, I, 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 help me. While I'm driving, help me, Lord. I can't do it. Help me, Lord. You see, it drives us to him who's able to do that more abundantly than we could ever think of ask. Okay? Let's bow our heads. Let's stand. God is good, isn't he? He's good. I so much appreciate the word of God. So much appreciate it. And I like to tell people, you know, it's not me. You go home and you, you study the scriptures and you see what those things I said be so. Because if it's, if it's me talking, <laughs> you don't have nothing to go on. And so if you talk, there's nothing to go on. We all have opinions. I take it out of that line of opinions. I want to put it into God's hands because there's only one inerrant source. That's God's Word. And so that's why I like to teach the Word is because I'm teaching what God says, not what I say, what God says. Because He'll back up His Word. Father, every head is bowed. Father, we ask you to help us today because we know that there are people who are struggling in this area of being rooted and grounded in love, Lord, Father. We know that. Father, there might be some here that has not given their life to Jesus Christ, which stars the love walk. You can't be rooted and grounded in love if you, don't, if, you're not, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. If there is someone here that hasn't given your life to Jesus Christ, but you would like to do that today, I'll close, when I close in prayer, I will close including you. I'm not going to embarrass you by calling you up into such thing. I'll just pray for you. That's all I'll do. Just pray for you. Not by name, I'll just pray for you. Anybody here on this, in this section, just say, hey, conclude me in that closing prayer. Just raise your hand, put it back down. Anyone in the middle of the section, just put your hand up, put it back down. So I want you to include me in that prayer. I see the hand. How about on this section? Anybody say you want to include it in prayer? Is there someone here that you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, but you know you're not walking the love walk? You know you're not walking the love walk, and you're asking God today with me, God, I want to walk the love walk. I want you to, by the power that works in me, cause me to walk 
this love walk. So I can be a better example, a better example in my family. I can be a better example with my marriage. I can be a better example with my children. I can be a better example in my workplace. Better example in the church. Better example in, com- in the community. Lord, I want to be a better example of love. I want to change Lynchburg by just the people that you have put me around because they see you. If that's you, and my hands raised, is there anybody else that would like that? I see the hand. Father, you've seen the hands. Father, that for the person who raised their hand, they, they, they want to uh, rededicate their lives to you, Lord. They want to do that. Father, we're asking you by your grace. You saw the hand. You know who they are to draw them to yourself, Father. Just like the prodigal son came home, they are coming home. They say, God, I, I want to be with you. I don't want to be away from you. I want to be with you. I want to share the bountiful blessings that you have because there's nothing out here in this world I've searched and I cannot find. And we thank you for that. For those of us who raised our hands so we want to walk this love walk more, better, so we'll be a better examples of you, Lord, because when they see us, they see you. And they, we're supposed to be living epistles if somebody never reads the New Testament Bible whatsoever. They're supposed to see it walked out in our lives. We're asking that we are able to do that because it starts with love. We can't do anything without love. I don't care what we do. We don't have love. It's for naught. So we're asking you by your grace, Lord, do that which only you can do. Empower us, Lord, to be able to walk this walk. Let us die to our selfish needs and our selfish wants, Lord, that we can just allow the Holy Spirit to move and flow through us as he desires. And we 